Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. So it's hot stove time, and it seems uh, like it would be a good time to do another deep dive. So this is going to be uh, our deep dive on the Colorado Rockies. And and it's wintertime, so it's cold in Colorado. And the Rockies, uh, and the Marlins for that matter, just finished playing their 30th season. So what I, I thought was, okay, so you think about the 30 years, and, and tell me, when you think about the Rockies and the Marlins, what's the first thing that you that you think about those two teams? We're going to talk about the Rockies here, but just I mean, that, that, think that, I, I think old. it would be interesting because you'd almost describe the two teams as somewhat of polar opposites to each other in some respects, despite them both being relatively not very good over those 30 years. The Rockies have always been an all-offense team, and the Marlins have generally gotten by by having really good pitching and absolutely no offense. Really good pitching and Miggy, right, back yeah. when they won the World Series and whatnot. But yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and so looking at the – we know the Rockies uh, – the Marlins have the two World Series – uh, and they've never lost in the World Series, right? The Marlins, they were they won the two times they were in it. But the Rockies were in the World Series in 2007. Yes. Um, and they lost uh, to the Red Sox. Um, but the overall record in the history of the franchise, and this kind of surprised me, who has a better record, the Rockies or the Marlins? Hmm. I mean, I want to say the Marlins just because I feel like in addition to the two World Series runs that they've had – They've had a few other good years in there, but I'm not sure. It's actually the Rockies, and I would have guessed like you. I mean, mean, the the other team won two World Series, you know, and the other team hadn't won any. But, yeah, and it's up, you know, like, you know, 469 versus 460. So neither team uh, is very good. They've both Mm. lost more than they've won since they've started. That probably would come to no surprise to anybody. And and we'll get into, look, with the Rockies, it's always been, you know, and I could start with the end, right? So who's the greatest pitcher in Colorado Rocky history? (laughs) That's a really tough question. <laughs> like if I, I come up with a lot of other teams, you could come up with some yeah, candidates. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to come up with candidates. Jim Jennings or Jason Jennings. Jason Jennings, Jennings well, maybe. He had a good season. Uh, Ubaldo Jimenez because he had the no-hitter. The couple years of Mike Hampton. Yeah. Jeff, who was the left-hander? Uh, uh, something with an F. Jeff, Fas- not Fasaro. Maybe it was Jeff Fasaro um, who had some good years throwing um, uh, uh, ground balls. And obviously, that's what you want to want to throw if you're in Colorado. I would, yeah, definitely. You do not want to be a flyball pitcher in the Mile High Stadium. But um, the the Rockies, interestingly enough to me, um, what they do sport, and and I guess it, it, it maybe it's also not a surprise is a lot of batting champions. They do, which. Is not that surprising considering getting to play 81 games in Coors Field is helpful. Right, right. I read somewhere where the difference is about 9% due to the altitude in terms of the how far the ball flies and the exit velocities, I guess, because of the thinner air. Um, and so that makes a 400-foot home run at sea level a 440-foot home run um, in Colorado. Right, but that makes a 360-foot fly ball a 396-foot probable home run. And the Rockies have the, I think, the all-time major league record for home runs in a season with at 303. 
uh, by a team, um, and and the Yankees try to do that all the time. They they get in the two hundreds, but that was you know at the height of um, the. Uh, uh, PEDs uh, era uh, and just what was going on then. And I think that was before. I'll find the, the, the year they hit 303. I have it someplace else. Um, I think that was before they started putting the balls in the humidor. Right. They did start doing that. And that I think. And is, now that the only, they're not the only team that does that now. All right, the teams do. Right? right. They all do it now. Now, I'm not sure how much it specifically changed in Colorado in terms of making it a less than a 9% difference, but. Right, you still and and still to this date, right? And we'll get into this. They, you, you, which pitcher is going to go sign? You know, Jacob Degrom was looking for a new place. He's if the Colorado Rockies say we're going to back up the truck for you, and here's seventy five million dollars. Jake's going to go. Yeah, that's all right. The, the problem is, is that they have to back up two trucks for everybody else's one truck. Exactly. So, but the batting titles are just kind of interesting. So they've won a bunch, and and names that you know we all know. Um, Andres Galarraga was the first to win, and he won it in their inaugural season in nineteen ninety three. He won the batting title. Um, and what you might not know is that the Rockies, the first two years, played in Mile High Stadium. Well, that seems like it would be uncomfortable. So, <laughs> and doesn't feel like it would be a baseball stadium. I, I don't remember how it was laid out, obviously, or whatnot. But apparently, it was still a pretty good place to hit because of the altitude, independent of the field. Coors Field, by the way, right now is the third oldest park in the National League. That's just weird to think about. So it came in what? And so they played in, in Mile High in '93 and '94. So Coors opened Coors in '95, and that's the third oldest. The third oldest park and in the, the other National one League. Is Wrigley and Dodger, Dodger Stadium. Stadium. Yeah, right, right. everything so, else is more recent than that now. That's a little. Well, I mean, at the same time, that's because so many teams have built new stadiums in the past 20 years. Right, right. Of course, of course. So Larry Walker won three batting titles. No surprise there. The Hall of Famer. He won them consecutive years, actually, in 98, 99. And, and between that, right, he won in 2001. Todd Helton won right. in 2000. So you had a Rocky win the batting title four, four years, years in, in a row. row. How about that? So I don't think I knew all this. Um, uh, Matt Holliday uh, won a batting title. I do remember that. Yep. Uh, Cargo in 2010. Cargo's still playing, I think. No. No, is he done? Okay. He retired in, I Carlos think, like 2019. Michael Kadire, who um, made he, I mean, he made his uh, – uh, he ended his career with the Mets, but he also made most of his career with the Twins, if yes. I'm not mistaken. I'd say. But obviously a good enough guy to win a batting title uh, in the National League – Justin Moore, another guy who played his career mostly with the Twins and had most of his success, won a batting title with the Rockies. Justin Morneau. Um, DJ LeMayhew, who is one of the, I guess a trivia question, one of the few guys to win batting titles in both leagues. Right. I mean, because he won one of the Yankees. Yankees. Correct. And Charlie Blackman, the bearded one. Won one in 2017. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, it's just kind of interesting to me that they have, that, and that, not surprising, but you don't remember these guys, maybe because it's expected. I think it, it's downplayed more than it's expected. People, there, it, it's like you're a steroid guy. Everybody puts an asterisk next to your name when you're from Colorado, and it's an offensive statistic. I always thought it was like about home runs, though. You know, like Colorado, the ball flies far. But now, but, but but because you exit, base, vo- right. exit velocity, people are going to be like, oh, that's going to get you more hits too. So the other distinguishing thing about Colorado when they brought things so so there's there's a few kind of things here that that play into this. Number one, this is not the first incarnation of the Colorado Rockies. They were a hockey team. Come again? <laughs> so, right. The Rockies um, were the Quebec Nordiques um, out of the World Hockey Association, and they came into the NHL, and they couldn't support a team there, so they moved them to Colorado and became the Colorado Rockies. And they were there for about 10, 11 years or something like that. And then New Jersey came calling, when, and, so we- and the Devils were created. 
The Devils, so, so they left Colorado in like what, like the mid to early 80s? It was in the 80s. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they, they were playing probably late 80s, you know, uh, whatnot. Uh, right, right. And they didn't have a hockey team in Colorado before they put the avalanche there. So I just think it's kind of interesting that when the baseball team was started in 1993, obviously the hockey Rockies were, were long gone and they used the same name. That's weird. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought it was weird then. I still think it's kind of weird. It's like, you know, they, they've, they, well, to you though, you didn't even know. So, right. so it said they hadn't, they didn't and, lose and, anything. And based off of your story, it sounds like they were there, like the Rocky, the, the hockey Rockies. <laughs> I like that. Were there for not that long not a that period long. of time. So the, you wouldn't have the same attachment to them as if it had been a franchise that had always been there, then left, and then you made the baseball team the name the Rockies. I, that I, would I be a bit the, weirder. Right, right, right. I told you the story about the Rockies when um, they were the hockey team, the hockey Rockies, and they were playing my Islanders, and the Islanders were trying to win their 15th in a row, which was a, an all-time uh, NHL record to be at the time. And the former Islander goalie Glenn Rush was in the nets for Colorado. And in the third period, the Islanders come flying down the ice. And I swear, when the guy shot the puck, Chico <laughs> kind of opened his legs a little and went right in there. Like, oh, whoops. <laughs> Here you go, boys. I, I still love you. And the Islanders uh, set that record. So, uh, yeah. So the, the Colorado Rockies uh, were, you know, they were really desirous of baseball because they had the Denver Bears, which are a triple A team. And, and they basically, at the time, they were the. Uh, Florida Marlins when they started in the Colorado Rockies, not the Miami Marlins as they are now, yes. or the Denver Rockies, right? They never have been, nor probably will be the Denver Rockies, but they were hot for baseball because the first year they drew, they drew the all-time record in the history of the major leagues for fans in one season. That's And they still have it today? 4,483,000. Still have it today by miles. Wow. By miles. Um, the, the Blue Jays were one of the top-drawing teams. And around that same time, when they won the World Series in, uh, in 92 and 93, uh, they were averaging well over 3 million, almost close to 4 million fans. Um, and, but the Rockies, you know, in, 90, in 93, it's they drew 4.4 4 million. In 94, they went down to 3.2 million. So a million, 200,000 people said, nah, maybe eh, not. not yeah, we don't need to go. So, uh, yeah, I would say that we mentioned, um, you know, pitching in Colorado. So you talked about the curveball not quite having the bite. And, and so you kind of have to be a ground ball pitcher. Um, and, and, and I just never have seen them find a pitcher that could want to stay there more than three or four years because if you're getting paid on the basis of – stats to a degree you're never going to have stats and your agent can stand on his head and 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 spit out money and and i was gonna go look dude you threw to a 4.780 year a and that's like 74th in the national league you know not so it's it it really dissuades guys from going there and i don't know how how that can be fixed i I think it's more it's less that it, it dissuades free agents from going there because especially if you're a younger free agent you know, you're coming off of your first contract. You're looking to get paid. Like, do I really want to go to the Rockies and potentially never get that second contract? Because my numbers are bad there. I think you're, unfortunately, for the Rockies, it really restricts them to generally going after m- m- older pitchers that probably are only looking for one more contract. And then they can compete on money then, which they haven't chosen to do because of their ownership. Or they're hoping to bring up guys through their organization, which, let's be honest, that's really hard. Yeah, right. And, and, and so the motivation is low, you know, on the part, but I just feel like the Rockies got to find a way so that the only way they can win is to have a team of mashers. Well, I think what it's going to take for them is to have a team of mashers and then have the year where like in 2007, the pitching came together enough that they're able to compete. Yeah, it's got to be really hard to build a team 
when you know the the weather plays such a factor and the conditions play such a factor in your team's ability to Some, when something that's out of your control like the the very environment that you're in affects you now there is a way they could fix it but it would be very unfortunate because they have a beautiful beautiful ballpark yeah, yeah, i know what you're gonna say well i don't know build a dome well but that wouldn't change the altitude though no that wouldn't change the altitude but but you could build it dimensionally different so that you would account for that and that that might be what they have to do is just maybe you need to build the fences back a little further and you have a game of Send- triples and singles and double except the exit velocity is still gonna right. have the hits flying right there. yeah but you move the fences back eight percent well, as I recall, as and, and as we're talking about this, I think the weird thing about Colorado, I think they have more triples in Colorado well, than any other ballpark. they have the biggest field area ballpark in the major leagues. It's about, it's, I think it's like 2.9 kilometers for the total area. The average major league ballpark is about 2.7. That's interesting. So they have one of the bigger fields overall. Which you probably, think it should be the other way around in a way. Right. Well, I think that probably leads to a lot of the triples and because of the increase in exit velocity, you're probably to, and and launch angle and ability to elevate the ball. I bet you're able to hit more balls into the parts of the ballpark where you're likely to get triples because triples are a lot because of ricochet and placement more mm-hmm, than anything mm-hmm. else or, or strange angles and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, so the Rockies uh, best season, they won 92 games um, in 30 years. I don't know if that's bad necessarily but it certainly doesn't sound like a team that was dominant for any period I think of time and that's that's i think it's hard to again have a really crazy good home record when you're the rockies because there's going to be a few games you lose every year purely because the opponents mash that you that you lose that other teams don't lose visiting teams hitters love to come to colorado right. if it it, it it fixes what ails you <laughs> so in order for them to have some kind of really like 100 110 win season they would have to put up an absolutely nutty record on the road i i, I they have to score like eight runs a game or right. something like that because, because of the inherent volatility of playing at Coors field you would have to be so good on the road over a given course and have your pitchers be so good that when they're not at home that it's just not likely for them to be that way so there are, um, well, they, they count seven, but really six guys that have had their number retired uh, as Colorado Rockies. Uh, if you had to think of, of them without without looking, or, or if you did, um, so who, 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 who would be right away? Larry Walker, obviously. Todd Helton. Right. Those, those two would be easier. Hmm. Now, see, there's three guys that I just don't know which it would go to because you got like Vinny Castilla, Andres Galarraga, and Bo Bich- and, uh, Dante Bichette. I don't think it would be Bichette. It is. It is. And then what about Galarraga? Galarraga, too. Um, And uh, Vinny Castilla is the other guy. So you got him. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good job. And Don Baylor, the manager's number is retired. And I I really don't understand this at all. I mean, I love Don Baylor. Nice guy. Got hit with a lot of pitches and was a a Maybe Maybe was was he the first manager there? He was the first manager. Maybe there was something about that. that, mm. He, He managed for five, six seasons. They didn't win anything. Uh, I, I don't know. I, maybe because he was willing to manage the team. I, Some, I, there's sometimes also to certain managers, like you could see Buck, even if the Mets aren't, well, the Mets would get rid of Buck if he's not good. But if the Mets, the, like you put the right manager in the right thing, the city ends up falling in love with them, even if they're not great sometimes. And I, I still think that's the case with them, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's. They are, you know, that, that, that they don't have the attendance that they used to have. I kind of feel like because they haven't had a, a really good team for a while, um, it's kind of hard for the fans to get behind. We've been to a game at Coors Field. Um, 
really nice ballpark. Oh, ballpark. yeah. I, I think the thing you also have to think is just in general, it's difficult for fans to be enthusiastic about a product year in and year out when it's been a consistently long run of not good. You know, look at the Royals. They had their fandom bump. It's when they around when they had that World Series run in 2015, 2016, but then they've been consistently bad since then and bad in a way where the fans can just look at the team before the season and go, oh, we're not going to be good. And then they check out. And I think that happened to the Rockies in some degrees. Right, right. And and I think that the Rocky fans, it, it has, when's the last time? Like 18 was like a good season. I think they, they won 92 games or 17. Uh, and then they came back and have had some pretty crummy seasons since then. So, and they've gotten rid of a lot of, like, they've had guys, they've unfortunately done a little bit of Marlinsing, actually, you know, to harken back to that. And that it seems like they have really good players come up with their team and then they kind of just get rid of them. The only guy they kept around was Helton. Right, right. So they won 87 games in 17 and then 91 games in 18. They made the playoffs both years. They lost in the wild card game in the 17 and lost in the division series, got swept. And, and so and that's really hard. Before that, they hadn't been in the playoffs since 2009 when they lost in the DS. So again, they only made the World Series in 2007. That's it for their playoffs. Right. You know, that's a long drought. We, so, we've been through some of that recently ourselves. And it's tough when your team is not consistently in the playoffs, you know. Especially because if you're you're staring, you have a seventy win season, and then you're staring down the barrel of another one the following year. It's tough to drum up excitement. Yeah, yeah, and and you know they they have some really exciting players who have done well both in Colorado and these are hitters mostly, and in other places in other places and and I I kind of think that you know there's a couple of guys that uh, come to mind that never 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 reached the the heights that you thought they were going to get like Tulawitzki. Right, right. Came out like like uh, the proverbial house of fire, as they right. like to say, and and ended up just you know being injured too much and up. But at, at one point, a lot like Trevor's story, mm-hmm. you kind of thought he might be on a Hall of Fame track. Um, and more so Tulo than Story. Yeah, well, Story had the big home run seasons early in his career and wasn't quite the all-around shortstop that, that, yeah. that Tulowitzki was. Uh, but still, you know, good solid player, and he's still playing to uh, Trevor Story. Oh, yeah. So I, I think – but I, I would think the guy who has probably left Colorado and done best, who would you say? Probably right now, Nolan. Yeah, I'd say so too. He looks like the same player in St. Louis. So Arenado, um, and and if he goes into the Hall of Fame, and I'm projecting here a little bit, he's only been with the Cardinals for what two or three years at this point. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, if if he goes into the Hall of Fame, does he go in as a Rocky? I don't know. I think it depends on if he wins any World Series with no, the Cardinals. Good, good point. If he wins a if he wins a World Series or two with the Cardinals, and I think he'd go in as a Cardinal. I think if he just keeps up the numbers, yeah, then it's about how he feels about each team, and that I can't really answer. So if you go into Baseball uh, Reference, they'll tell you who the top player on the team was every year, and it's kind of interesting when you when you see the names here. Yeah, there's the Trevor Stories and the Arenados and and whatnot. But in 2018, the year they won 91 games and made it to the DS, Kyle Freeland, who. <laughs> Kyle with a with a with this is based on war. Mm-hmm. 7.5 war. Kyle Freeland? Who? <laughs> uh anyway, uh yeah, that's that's what the statistics show. Uh how about Julie's Ch- Chasen? 
He's had a 6.1 war, was the best player for the 2013 Rockies, who, who won 74 and 88. Uh, but still, a pitcher was that's, that's anytime a pitcher is the best player for the Rockies on, on a basis of war is stunning. And I wonder how you can, how do you calculate war for pitchers in Colorado? I don't think Don't you can't you get, unfortunately, of- <laughs> not any differently. <laughs> so, um, and, and what we also like to do is go through the top players, and of course, um, top players in, by war uh, in the Colorado history. And the problem with a thirty-year-old franchise a, is it thins out pretty very quick, quickly, <laughs> pretty yeah. quickly. Like you we, know, when you're doing the Yankees or you're you, doing the you, Giants or you stuff. Know, like, you just you got a guy after guy with with this is like after you run through about like the first. Mm, couple so who is our number one war player for the rockies should be larry walker it's not i would guess helton it's helton just because he played more of his career with the rockies right so this is only as we like to call it be war while they were with the team so if they go remember larry walker put a lot of stats up for the expos before he ever got to the exactly. uh, to the rockies so helton didn't play for anybody else <laughs> um and so who would be number three hmm well, I know it's not Dante because he sucked so bad on defense. He managed to have a negative war while hitting like 330. Uh, probably not Andres Galarraga either because he didn't play for them that long. Right, I don't right, think. right, right. Which leads me to think it's probably somebody like Charlie Blackman, Arenado, or Carlos Gomez. So so you're on, on the right track. It's Arenado uh, and, and Tulo is actually the fourth highest war player. Mm. But you got to go a little for Trevor Story is five. I'm impressed that Trevor Story is as high as number five because I feel like he had that first really impressive season or two, and then I kind of haven't really paid much attention to him since then. Well, I think you might be playing him a little a little short shrift because right, I think I am. So he had, he had 27 homers as a rookie, 24 in his second year, 37 in his third year, and 35 in his fourth. That's for a shortstop. That's pretty good. Okay, so his career WAR is 29 now, and he's only played six seasons of Major League Baseball. So is it six or is it more than that? Uh, seven seasons. I'm sorry, mm. he just finished his seven season. But still, um, you know, that's averaging four war a season. Trevor Story, you know, should be put in the thought that maybe if he has a, another resurrection to his career in Boston or beyond, you know, he could be on a Hall of Fame track, which I don't think anybody would really have considered giving it the circumstances. Mm-hmm. He was that good in Colorado, you know, early in his career. Oh, yeah. So um, then Charlie Blackman uh, is after – He's seventh cargo. Mm. Okay, cargo. And, and this guy had a really, you know, solid major league career. 285, 234 home runs, uh, on base of 340, offs plus of 112. Just a really good baseball player. You know, not not a Hall of Famer, not anything like that, but I think underrated in a lot of ways. Right. I, I think that's I think he is underrated for what he was overall as a player. Because he was really good for a number of seasons. Right, right, and and a guy that the Mets talked about trading for, like every every. It seemed like he always came up. So Matt Holiday uh, checks in um, at WAR after that. Really? Yes, and his WAR with the with the Rockies wasn't that high. He had a forty four career WAR, Matt Holiday. Wow. So you know another guy who's sort of an under underrated player, and you start getting down the list, um, and it's just not you know. It's just not these household names because I think Ubaldo Jimenez comes up next, right? <laughs> so now we're already. You know. I think I think this is where you you have the drop off because then you get Vinny Castilla. I after, really liked Vinny Castilla right. as a ball player, but then then 
you have Herman Marquez and Aaron Cook. Well, he was only a ball player. I don't know what else he did. Right, exactly. So, like, then you get you know, Aaron Cook. I remember Aaron Cook. Wow, he got on the all time. Well, I guess he just played for the Rockies for a while. Right. Kyle Freeland is weird because he has that one year, that 2018 year, where he goes 17 and 7 with a 285 ERA. How does anybody do that in Colorado? Fourth in the Cy Young. And that is literally never that. Next year he comes back and he's 3 and 11 with a 6.73 ERA. Right, and there's no performance-enhancing things you can do, right? Maybe he was using spider tack at the time, or and s- nobody knew. Yeah. They get a grip on the curveball, because he was an off-speed pitcher. Um, but, yeah, you get down the list to these guys that, you know, are not nearly as, you know, household namey uh, for them. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else that, you know, you, you would. Were you thinking of Jeff Francis? Yes, Jeff Francis, not Jeff Vassaro. Jeff Francis. Yeah, he was a, a, a solid pitcher. Yeah, he had that year in 2007 where he went 17-9. and nine. And they went to the World Series. And I think he started, you know, the World Series and he started the playoffs. Yep. So, uh, but it's surprising that there's even a couple of pitchers on this list because it's just so difficult to, you know, to, to pitch in that environment. I remember in their opening game, they pitched a guy named Kevin Reed in Colorado in 1993 and he got lit up. Who did they play in that opening That would be game? the Mets. And, and what happened at the end of that game? At the end of that game, it was a big scoring game. 11-9. 11-9, yeah. Home run to win the game? By the Rockies. Right, right. They got a walk-off home run in their very first game, which probably would lead to such a feeling about that team throughout the entire season. I can see why the city would show, or the state would show up to watch them like that then. So if you can have, you're right, if you can have it, if you can have a season like these guys we talked about had where they all of a sudden, so like what did they bottle that year? If I'm the Rockies and I'm constructing a team number one, I'm making sure I have a great defensive team because if I got to cover the biggest ballpark in there, I better have guys that can run and go get it in the corners and stuff yeah, like that. I my think outfield, my yeah, infield. Right. I think with the Rockies, unfortunately, for you to have a really amazing season as a pitcher, you know what probably needs to be on your uh, on your side? The uh, batting average and the BAPIP gods. <laughs> that, you know what? You just get really lucky that year. That for whatever reason, on all the balls that should be hits or would normally be hits, there's just a guy standing over there. Or just the guy just reaches up and makes an unbelievable play. I think you're right. Having an unbelievable defense – because every out you get is so much more valuable. In you never, Colorado. you never feel safe with a lead there, right? You know, at any point, and you don't want to put your bullpen in a position where you're having to save all of these one run games. You want to have games where you're, you and you need to have a team that can field and a team that can mash. Because if you get games where you get up eight one, then it doesn't really matter if you give up a couple runs throughout the rest of the game because you're still up eight four. Then and could you build a team that would be ideal for? Coors Field, where you play any one of your games, that would would be able to. I mean, that would be just a good baseball team, right? I, really, I think. Really. I think. I think the idea, like all you would be really doing, is is saying, okay, what kind of thing would I not value here? I think you know what I would probably value a little less than most major league teams, and which is all the rage right now, launch angle. Launch angle probably matters a little bit less in Colorado than it matters. It matters everywhere because it's going out anyway. Because it's going out anyway. <laughs> I mean, you're and you're going to be able to drive the ball more. So a guy that might have a lower overall launch angle profile might be fine in Colorado because he'll still get his home runs and he'll hit the ball 
better than me. I mean, you know, maybe you give a guy like that who wouldn't get a chance otherwise. Like you're going to need to find guys like that, I think. In addition to the curveball not breaking as much in Colorado, which I remember frustrated Mike Hampton, mm-hmm. right? Because he was a, a curveball pitcher and like, oh, wait, wait a second. It kind of sits up there in the tee. The fastball, though, I think is a little faster in Colorado. So you get a little more length, as they call it, on the fastball into that. But these days in the major leagues, it doesn't really mean yeah, much. Yeah, you know, you, yeah, you guys can, hit 102. Yeah, guys can hit, no matter how hard you throw it, the guys can hit it. So. Getting a little bit of extra speed on your fastball probably doesn't do that much other than contributing to upping the exit velocity. So let's see a few trivia little bits and pieces for, uh, on the Rockies. So the Rockies mascot. It's a dinosaur, right? It is a dinosaur, yes. Uh, and its name is Dinger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of kind of wacky and all that. And, and it's, it's, it's a funny looking dinosaur. Kind of like, Why is it a dinosaur? Uh, there's a reason for that. Because they found some dinosaur bones when they were digging the ballpark up <laughs> and okay i guess that makes sense you, so, you find the archaeological dig on the site of the hopefully it's not sacred or anything like that hmm. you know but uh, maybe that's why they've been so bad they've been built on an indian burial ground <laughs> oh um let's see uh they built the field 80 feet below so that it's uh, eighty feet. So it's five thousand two hundred and eighty feet. They built it eighty feet above the, the surrounding area, so that it really is exactly mile, a, mile a mile high, high just like you know the, where the Broncos play in Mile High Stadium. Um, Coors Field has heated infield grass. Huh. They got all kinds of pipes, like in Copenhagen, oh. uh, under there, so that when it, you have snow and stuff <laughs> like that, it Good. melts. Um, Let's see the, uh, the elevation. Right, they say the curveballs and the fastballs are about six inches more length, um, which is pretty good. Uh, it was 1999 when they hit the 303 homers, which was at the height of that kind of stuff. Um, Coors Field is tied with Fenway Park for the most cycles hit in, ba- in the ballpark in a ballpark. And obviously, I told you that there's just a lot of triples for some reason. And now that you told me that the park is bigger, it, I, it makes I could never like. Well, wouldn't they just have more home runs? And why would they have more triples? The park. park is bigger, and it's wild that they're tied for most cycles with Fenway, which has been around, like, so much longer than it. A Rockies uh, player wins the Silver Slugger Award frequently, and when you think about all the guys who won Right, because you're titles. probably going to have one guy that's an exemplary hitter at his position for your team every year. So, um, Coors Field is the first stadium to build the humidor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was in 2002. And I, like I said before, I think all of them, uh, all the, the uh, teams are now using the humidor. Right. So I think that would make a difference. And I think it has helped uh, to a certain degree. But I don't know how, you know, you, you can't fix altitude. No, no, it, it helps, but only to a point. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's a team that uh, has only been to the World Series once. They lost to the Red Sox. Um, I, I think that, they're going to have to just get magic one year and and and, and they, they need go all the way. Some group of guys to come up. They need to like get three or four prospects that all blossom at the same time. That's what's going to take for a team like this. Because right now, it, I mean, especially with the way watching the Arenado situation play out, the owners don't seem to be too in, in interested in spending a lot of money to fix this team. No, they're talking about signing uh, Met uh, Brandon Nimmo as a center fielder. On um, that, probably would be a good thing for them to send, but they just don't normally even. Pay 
pay a guy like that the twenty yeah. million or so. It's going to. I mean, pay. he uh, he would put up nutty numbers in that stadium. Well, and, and it's not going to be necessarily in home runs. No, um, but he would just be on base all the time. So uh, yeah, I still. Um, I, I guess I, I I've always had a soft spot for the Rockies. They don't play in our division. Uh, right, it makes I, it easier to like them. I never like it when my team goes to play it there because I'm nervous the whole time. Even even if the team is up six nothing, right? In the, you're in like, the, oh, they can come back. But um, I don't know that this year is going to be the year for the Rockies. But uh, man, that that that. That franchise just has to have uh, you know something turn it around so that it can be good for a bunch of years in a row. And if they don't put the investment in the team, it's going to be sure really hard. Be really hard. Right. You're you know, pretty much counting that. on catching lightning in a bottle, and that never stays along. So, uh, well, good luck, Rockies. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll be uh, watching we're, you from afar. We're rooting for you until you play the Mets. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at AlmostCoops.